VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so... <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting greedy podcast here. I've seen you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Thursday. January 12th, and the fantasy football season is, well, I mean, it's over, but it's not over at the same time. It's just a little bit different. It's time to talk playoff fantasy, DFS betting, and hey, we're just going to talk ball here on the show. And who better to join me for that than the betting boys, the betting bros themselves, Scott Pianowski and Frank Schwab. Frank, welcome back to the show, buddy. How's it going? Doing well, doing well. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I think of this wild card weekend. Like, there's a couple games I'm really interested in. A couple games I'm like, uh, if it wasn't a playoff game, I might find something else to do. I might go yeah. like, you know, watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High or something. But I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a mixed bag. I think, I think we're going to get paid off in the later rounds because, as me and Scott have texted about this, uh, there's like six good teams, right? Like, the, right. there's not 14. I know that, but still playoff football, still be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And maybe we'll get a surprise from the Seahawks or the Dolphins. They'll make things interesting. Yeah, I echo everything Frank said. Yeah, we're going to get paid off next week. You know, I think we're all excited about that Cincinnati-Buffalo collision course. And I feel very confident that 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 core five or six teams is where the champion is going to come from. And a problem this week is a lot of teams don't have the personnel they want. I mean, two teams aren't starting their quarterback that they want. They may be down the third string quarterbacks. That's a problem. But over, Matt, over. Nothing is over until we decide it is, okay? And we're, we're here to talk Justin Jefferson. We're here to talk Charles Jefferson. We're, we're here to talk all the Jeffersons, uh, maybe George Jefferson. And, uh, and man, Seahawks 49ers, it's so funny that they're the first game because 49ers, I feel like everybody's picking them to go to the Super Bowl. And this is what Bill Simmons used to call the Shakey's Pizza game. You know, you know, a lot of times the most uh, the least appealing game of the first weekend would be thrown in this first slot. And I guess it's the comment on the Seahawks, just, you know, they're yeah. heavy underdogs here, but it's just funny to see a team that has so much fantasy juice right now and Super Bowl juice tucked into this first spot on Saturday. I, I was stunned by the placement of the 49ers here. I thought this was definitely going to be Jaguars chargers just from like yeah. the marketability, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that, that's the AFC like South invitational game. Like the, the AFC South has got to be mad. Like that's our spot. What are you doing? I know. Away? Well, you got to feel pretty good if you're the Jaguars and frankly, if you're the Chargers too, that you ended up getting that night game billing. But um, we do have Seahawks 49ers here first. And yeah, I'll, I'll echo a little bit of what you guys said that it's definitely, there's some potential clunkers here. You know, I mean, we'll talk about Dolphins bills. That might be like a get your chores done game. You know, it's early, 
Uh, so maybe it's if you're a certain type of person, you get your uh, you, you, you're you're going to church game. You get your brunch in early during Dolphins Bills. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, there you got something else you could find during Dolphins Bills. But there are some good games, and I think this one here, Seahawks 49ers, is a potential good game. Uh, the 49ers, as you guys mentioned, are nine and a half point favorites, forty two and a half over under. Um, Pete Carroll, Frank, uh, you know he did a pretty good job uh, coming out right away and just you know. It's a, it's unfortunate we're uh, unfortunate we're we're playing the Niners, um, but can can the Seahawks kind of keep the good times rolling on uh, the on the offense here? Kenneth Walker has three straight 100 yard games to end the season, which I think was a nice change at least uh, from what we had seen previously when he was a little bit stuck in the mud there. Yeah, I think that the only way the Seahawks keep this close is if Kenneth Walker somehow has a good game. But the Seahawks look. The weird thing about these six games is all of them are rematches from the regular season. Yeah, like it is strange. Like it's a little odd. And I'm not saying they're predictive because you know things change. Like the Seahawks, the Seahawks played the 49ers back in week two, I believe it was. Trey Lance got hurt in that game. We're talking about Trey Lance. That's how far it goes back. But <laughs> right. there are clues you could take. And the biggest clue I took from this game, the Seahawks just simply cannot move the ball in the 49ers defense at all. They scored one touchdown on offense in eight quarters, and it came in garbage time of the second game with about three and a half minutes left. I, I just don't think they can move the ball at all. Like, I, I mean, it's I, I'm, I'm interested to see how they plan to do this. I mean, maybe they hit a couple deep shots to DK. Maybe Kenneth Walker gets it going. He is a special back. But this San Francisco defense is awesome, and I, I simply don't know how the Seahawks move the ball. Niners defense, number one in DVOA, number two against the run, number five against the pass. So lots of luck, Seattle. I thought Geno not, didn't really pumpkin, but I thought he kind of regressed near the yeah. end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned that this is a game where I, I normally don't like spotting nine and a half points, but I'm going to do it with the Niners. I think maybe that's where we're all at on this game, but I, I just don't think Seattle can get past 13 points. Yeah, I think, yeah, if you're saying, I don't know what their team total is, but if you told me it's 13 and a half, I'd probably go under. Yeah, I just, how do they score? Like, and I say this, they'll probably be like, you know, 35-31, like the Raiders game a couple weeks ago, but I just don't see it. Yeah, last time these two teams played, uh, Gino had a 5.4 yards per attempt. That was his uh, second lowest mark of the of the year. I think that was pr- just by watching it. I think that was probably his worst game of the season. And I mean, I get it. The 49ers defense is awesome. By the way, uh, guys, this is why I'm not the executive host of the podcast. I'm just the regular host of the podcast because what I should have I should have mentioned the structure of how we're going to do these previews to the listeners at the top. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about when the Seahawks have the ball, when the 49ers have the ball, and then we'll do a spotlight. One guy is going to give something you need to watch this game. It could be a DFS player, prop, whatever, and then we're all going to pick the game against the spread. Now that we've got that business out of the way, let's get back to what we were talking about. Again, fantastic hosting by your boy here. Just absolutely great stuff. Let's talk about when uh, the 49ers do have the ball here. Scott, everything is kind of clicking right now. And again, to bring back uh, the last time these two teams played, Christian McCaffrey just went absolutely nuts on on these Seahawks. He touched the ball 32 times. He ran the ball 26 times for 108 yards. And even Jordan Mason at the very end there got uh, four carries and took them for 64 yards. Yeah, and there was also the start of the Brock Purdy, George Kittle, you know, cop buddy show, as we talked about on our awards program the other day. Seven touchdowns in four games. Kill had two touchdowns in this game. So he's a monster problem. They're connecting. And what's fascinating to me is that the Niners have thrown the ball a lot fewer, a lot less, since Purdy took over for Garoppolo. But all the efficiency stats are just as good. The YPA is similar. The, the rating is similar. I don't feel like Brock Purdy holds them back. I, I realize that they don't want to maybe drop him back 35 times. They don't want to expose him to a lot in his first playoff game. Maybe there can be some butterflies there, but he just set up for success. The, the 49ers are like this 
SUV that has all the all the trimmings, all the options on it, right? It just it's this pilot's chair that you really can't miss with. And I do think San Francisco will come out with simple throws for Purdy, easy reads, quick to find throws, but um, they haven't missed again. They haven't thrown as aggressively as they would have with Garoppolo, but and who knows what they would have done with Trey Lance? We may never know. He hasn't played football really for three years now. A really un, un quite uncharted territory for him next year in fantasy because we love mobile quarterbacks. We love Kyle Shanahan. We don't really know what to do with Lance. But I've heard talk. Mike Salfino was was actually pushing back with me about the idea that maybe Jimmy Garoppolo could play later in the playoffs. I I think you have to ride Purdy's undefeated. He's he Drew, he's Drew Bledsoe at this point. Yeah. You don't switch from Tom Brady to, yeah, no to Drew for Bledsoe. sure, for sure. And, and, and only that Garoppolo, like any quarterback, just not playing for a few months is a rust factor. Mm-hmm. I think the only way I would ever see Purdy getting benched would be if, if he played, say, through multiple interceptions in a game, the 49ers survived it. He'd have to really throw up all over himself. I don't think he's going to do it. I love George Kittle's props this week. I'm just going to keep riding that. We've always wanted him for fantasy to be more of a touchdown scorer. And again, it, it took Brock Purdy to unlock that seven touchdowns in the last four. He had two against Seattle in the first game. This is a game you may, I think you might watch half of this and then you might be like, okay, you know, I'm going to go out and, and, and get my party stuff, get my yeah. food or whatever I need to do before I settle in for the night game. I, I mean, I, I just, I just want to throw this out there. And I don't mean to be the guy who is saying every week, like maybe this is the week Brock Purdy uh, falls back to earth, but we are in such, you talk about uncharted territory, no rookie. I've said this, this a bunch of times. You've heard me either with Charles or wherever. No rookie quarterback has ever started in the Super Bowl. No third string quarterback right. has ever started in a Super Bowl. We're trying to check both, both of those boxes with one guy <laughs> and he's Mr. Irrelevant. Like at some point, like if I were to told you, like just in a vacuum, yeah, we're going to have a playoff game where the last pick of the draft is starting. He's a third stringer. He's going to be thrown into the fire in the playoffs. You would have said, give me the opponent. I don't care the spread. And here we're laying nine and a half. And we're just told all of us. I think I think I can speak for Matt here. All of us are totally good with it. We're just like, yeah, Brock Purdy's fine. Maybe, maybe, no it's, ru- but maybe it's rookie year. Tom, not rookie year, but, but uh, the Tom Brady thing where he was. Remember, Tom Brady did not steer the Patriots in 2001. He was on the bus. He was not oh, driving right, the bus. Right. It wasn't his rookie year. But we could have said, well, hey, Tom, Tom Brady picked 199. At what point does he wake up and realize this is all a dream and it's, it's not real? The other thing is Seattle, 27th in, in DVOA defense against the run. So this is a game where if the Niners want to win it with McCaffrey and with TDP or with Mason or with Roger Craig or Ricky Waters, whoever <laughs> they want to roll out with. I, I don't see Tyler, yeah. yeah, right. That's going to work. It's crazy you brought, brought the name Jimmy Garoppolo, Scott. It, it, Brock Purdy has been so good that I haven't even thought about Jimmy G in like in in right. in months. And even when there was the remember there was the report right after Garoppolo got hurt that oh he could actually be back like the timeline would line up just right in time for him to get back. I think it was for the NFC Championship game. And Kyle Shanahan was the one who immediately was kind of like, no, I'm not I'm not putting any stock in that either. We're gonna ride with Brock Purdy, and he has been so good. And Frank, don't you think it like do you think it kind of feels different with Brock Purdy in there? I mean, from like a passing standpoint, too, he's he's got a 127.5 passer rating on throws outside the numbers. And like those are the number those those are <laughs> crazy, right? Like those, I know. those are those are the throws that and obviously, especially when it's deep down the field, those are the throws that Jimmy Garoppolo typically doesn't make and typically doesn't even take. And I think that. Obviously, some of the explosiveness to, explosiveness to Kittle is, is coming over the middle of the field, but still, 
the offense feels like it's got more juice with Purdy in there than Garoppolo. I don't I don't see any reason why you would go away from him. I think even if he if he, if he has that puke on his shoes game, they probably get eliminated from the they playoffs. Probably get eliminated. We're having, yeah, 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 we're not having that conversation. Yeah, and I, I just it, it's it's not like you're be re- if if this was a guy who was replacing Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you make that change. We're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't, exactly. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Jimmy, but I don't think you, you you see where this goes because Jimmy is not one of those elite tier guys. You just have to get back in the lineup. So yeah, I hadn't thought about it at all because you're right. The, the offense looks just fine. I, I Jimmy did good things. I, I don't want to take away sure. from Jimmy. He he ran that offense really well too in his own way. But this, you're right. They're they're doing a lot of things that are just like I keep expecting it to crash. I do. I I can't lie. I keep. Every week is in the back of my mind of, all right, Brock Purdy's really going to win this playoff game, or next week it's going to be like Brock Purdy's really going to the NFC Championship. But you do, you keep doing this enough times, you just, it's just not happening. He's if good. They get, and if they get a healthy version of Debo, okay, I can't think of any team that has a core four of skill talent in any order. I'm not, you know, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. Nobody matches up with that. Yeah. I mean, no. who, are, like, who in the past 10 years has? I, I mean, this, I'm serious. Like, you could, Christian McCaffrey might be the best running back in the game. Debo has, I mean, he's not top five, he's top 10. Ayuk's a former first round pick, very, very talented. And Kittle's probably the third best tight end in the game, fourth, whatever. Like, who is it? Who has had this kind of convergence of skill talent? And of course, maybe the best left tackle ever, too. <laughs> I mean, this is this 49ers right. team is and, all, and all designed by a offense. coach, all designed by a coach that, you know, Kyle Shanahan, you know, Mike Shanahan's son, who we all respect as an offensive designer as yep. well. Unbelievable. He, hundred uh, percent. Just to just to give more context on the stat, I gave on ten of seventeen on throws outside the numbers for a hundred uh, beyond ten air yards for a one eighteen passer rating for Brock Purdy. And you know the Ayuk stuff. You know you guys know I'm a big big Ayuk guy, and like I think that he's really brought. I think the connection they've had has been great. I think that Ayuk breaking out to be like a, a number one level receiver just as like another icing on the cake for this team. And and yeah, it's just. I agree with you guys. Like, I can't remember an offense that was this loaded from a skill position standpoint um, to the point that, like, next year, it's crazy. They're going to ride in with – I would imagine next year they'll probably have, like, a old, good old-fashioned, you got a chance to win it, you got a chance to win it quarterback competition between Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Like, why not? Because then you have one of the co- cheapest quarterback rooms in the entire NFL, and then you can, you can keep this core together for another maybe two, three more years, something like that, because – and that's just insane to think about. They might – not have like a salary squeeze because of this quarterback room and the way Purdy has played. And by the way, if Purdy wins the Super Bowl, there is no competition. And that's he's your starter week too. one. Well, he just is. Yeah. Like you're not. You're not. There's. I think there's Super a Bowl chance that might happen even if they don't win the Super Bowl. Like they might yeah, just say, right, "Hey, Pur- right. Purdy's the guy," and like because of all the long layoff for Lance and stuff like that. But um, all right, let's get into our spotlights here. Uh, Scott, you've already got talking about yours a little bit, but George Kittle, man, he's been he's been incredible this year. Yeah, I think I already pretty much said all I have on Kittle. It's just he's the touchdowns have been unlocked, and we know what a great blocker he is. We know how dynamic he is after the catch. He's already done it against this opponent, but it's not like Seattle has the benefit of focusing on any one guy because San Francisco is so deep with their skill talent and so dynamic too. It's not just these guys are good players, but you know, Debo Samuel can touch the ball so many different ways. And then they have yeah. so many different options. They will be proactive in the play action game as well. I'm, I'm probably going to bet a, a Kittle touchdown prop this weekend. Like that call a lot. Frank, what about you? Yeah, I'm just, as far as me looking at props, you could pretty much talk me into any under for a Seattle player. I, I mean, I hate to be that blanket statement, you know, I mean, right. but, 
none of these guys I would bet on the over. Let's put it that way. Again, they can't. They had, I think, 216 yards the first time they met. The second time was under 300 yards. They barely scored one touchdown in eight quarters. Who 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 do you think would? Am I betting the over? Kenneth Walker? I, I just can't. I can't get there. I love Tyler Lockett. I wouldn't bet the over. Uh, Gino, nope. And no overs for sure. And you could talk to me just about any under for a Seattle player prop this week. I was at a draft and hold the other night, and I it get to the late rounds. I had a choice. You, whatever players you take, you get them for the full playoffs. And I took Zay Jones over either Seattle receiver. Think about that. Oh, wow. man. Yeah. yeah no, I get brutal. it. I totally get it. Totally get it. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, my spotlight for this game is Debo Samuel is just fifteen bucks in DFS, and I get it. He's had a di- he's had a disappointing season um, overall. You know, he's scored just I think five total touchdowns, which I mean that hey, that's touchdown regression just slapping you right in the face. But there's also the health factor as well. Um, overall, he got back and played in Week 18. Uh, three targets, two catches, 20 yards, just one rush for four yards. There wasn't much to go by there. And of course, like, you know, plays just 68% of the snaps overall. So I get why he's coming in at such a low salary. But as we've talked about, he is the biggest, uh, he might, he might not even be the best receiver on this team, right? Like, Brandon, I think Ayuk might just be a better pure receiver. But there's, Ooh, wow, few, there's spicy. few, there's, but there's few, but in terms of like as a game breaker, there are, I mean, what, like maybe two or three other guys that could take a touch the distance like Debo can. We've seen him do that yeah. this year. Uh, so I think for 15 bucks, like he makes a really interesting um, particular play in this game. And let's get into picks here. And I, I think we've all kind of spoiled it that, that we're on the 49ers. But I'll admit, I, I did go 49ers here, guys, but I really hesitate. I mean, nine and a half points is a lot. I do have a ton of faith in Pete Carroll. And look, like when Geno gets hot, He's been one of the most, especially to start the year, was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. We love the skill position talent there between the running back and the two receivers. And again, I have a lot of faith in Pete Carroll. But um, Scott, I think if if this if you're going to take Seahawks uh, plus nine and a half, you got to really think that he's going to coach his ass off from a defensive perspective. And I'm I'm just not 100 percent convinced he can get there with all these guys going against him and, and for 49ers. I, the, the only thing I the only angle I see for Seattle is that Purdy is tight in his first playoff game because the Niners will run the ball successfully. I don't think they have to overload Purdy early in this game. I also think, you know, San Francisco defense has an excellent chance to do something for whether it's a prop or a DFS play. And this is going to be, we're all taking the Niners minus the points, but I know what all the squares are going to do. America's going to tease this game or going to money line parlay the, the Niners with other sides. And generally I think that's a little bit of, I don't know, just a little bit too convenient. You're, 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 adding a lot of teams of exposure to maybe make a bet you shouldn't make, I'll sign off on it. I would be flabbergasted if San Francisco wins this game. I already have a a three-team tease that has the Niners in it. And again, that's a very square play, but I think this is a week where it's merited. Yeah, same here. I, I just, the Seattle, if you look at their, if you look at their season, they were great, not great, very good. They went to Germany to play the Buccaneers, lost that game to a bad Buccaneers team. And they haven't been right ever since. I, I they barely beat the Rams last week at home with a playoff spot in the line. <laughs> and that, I we know, know that yeah. Rams team isn't any good. I just I, I hate laying nine and a half in a playoff game. I hate laying nine and a half in any NFL game, really. Yeah, but I just I can't talk myself into the Seahawks being competitive in this game. Now you know I'll probably you know we'll sit here and be like, how did Pete pull this off? Because all <laughs> of us love the 49ers, but I just can't see it. Fair enough. Uh, I think we all feel the same way. I, I again, I wrote. I actually wrote Seahawks on the dock, 
and had a last second, had a change of mind, uh, couldn't do it. Uh, so we're, we're all on the 49ers here, which means we've just cursed them for sure. All right, let's move to the next game here. Chargers, two and a half point road favorites uh, at Jacksonville Jaguars, 47 and a half over under. This game I'm very, very excited to watch uh, on Saturday night. Should be a ton of fun. Um, when the Chargers have the ball, the Jaguars have had secondary issues. Uh, they're 22nd in dropback success rate since week 12. We know that, that uh, the cornerback room in particular has been a troublesome spot for them, but couldn't be a damn Chargers game, Frank, without talking about some injuries here. Mike Williams, we know he got banged up in week 18. I know you got a lot of feelings on that, um, so feel free to, to cut loose here. I, I don't, you know, they've said it that Mike Williams probably will still get back out there, you know, but back spasms always questionable. Uh, ain't nobody used to have a bad back, as I always say. So, Mike Williams, let it rip, Frank. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw before we came on and started recording that he wasn't at practice today. So, what are we even getting out of Mike Williams if he plays? Like, that's the, the right. fallacy we have is, oh, he's on the field. He's good. Well, no, it doesn't mean he's 100%. And Mike Williams dealt with a million injuries in his career. Brandon Staley just blew this last week. Just one of the dumbest coaching decisions I've seen in a really long time. I mean, it just what do you do? What You have nothing to play for. You get Mike Williams hurt out there. Austin Eckler is getting crunched. Joey Bosa pulls a groin. I mean, it's it was a just a debacle for Brandon Staley in that game. Um it's it's it, obviously Mike Williams doesn't play. We've seen the difference. Like I like Joshua Palmer as a player, but he's not Mike Williams. It'll take a lot away from them. I do think you know when the when the Chargers are on offense here, it's a huge Austin Eckler game. This is this yeah. has got to be Austin all all day every day because look, this Jaguars defense is nothing great. But if the look if the Chargers are shorthanded, if they don't have Mike Williams or Mike Williams is seventy five percent, it's just a different offense. And, and I really don't honestly, I just don't trust him a lot going into this game. Scott, how you feel? Yeah, Jacksonville, right? A funnel defense, 19th in DVOA against the run. They're, I think, the sixth of it against the pass. So you would think Eckler is featured playing in this game. And I agree the comments on Staley. I mean, remember earlier in the year, they got Jalen Guyton hurt in a blowout loss. The game was over. And for some reason, Justin Herbert was taking hits late in the game that was decided. And you know, maybe Herbert wasn't right for half the season. Staley's a good X's and O's coach, but I still think he's working through some of the game theory and, and some of the things. I had no idea what their plan was last week because they had nothing to gain. But I think I like the Chargers more than a lot of people do here because I'm not sure if Jacksonville's ready for their close-up. They were life and death to beat a Tennessee team right. that had nothing left to give. And they, they really basically won it on a defensive touchdown. They did nothing the Jaguars did on offense in the fourth quarter of that game. So I think Chargers have a chance. Again, Frank said they're all rematches. Jacksonville beat the Chargers. It was a million years ago, but they beat them earlier this season in L.A. And not just beat them. It was 38-10. Yes. In front of all 27 Charger fans. So, you know, it's a a really raucous (laughs) environment in L.A. But, yeah, second Saturday in a row, we get a primetime Jaguars game. Who saw that coming? The thing the Chargers are going to regret, the Chargers are going to lose at some point, whether it's this week or later in the playoffs. I picked them before the season go to the Super Bowl. I don't think they have any chance. I think there's a big three in the AFC. They're not in it. And they're going to look back and say, why didn't we stock the receiver room? How, how did we yeah, get this I old agree. and this slow? And I, I get it. They thought Guyton was going to be more of an impact player for them. He gets hurt right really when the season started. But that's going to be their downfall is they don't have enough verticality in the past game. But this week, a Jacksonville team you can exploit against the run. Eckler was the number one fantasy back. He was the number one NFL podcast player of the years, as far as I'm concerned. Shout so, out. Yeah, I think Eckler uh, is the reason why they'll win. And also, look, I'm all for Trevor Lawrence becoming a star someday. Justin Herbert's a star already. That's a big check mark to the side of the Chargers. Yeah, and 
again, the absence or potential limitation of, of Mike Williams, because it's a great point, Frank, like even if he's out there, we've seen him literally go out there for games before and get hurt right away. You know, uh, it was yeah. after coming off the high ankle sprain. We've seen that happen before. How healthy can we realistically project him to be when he couldn't even walk himself onto the team bus uh, like less than a week ago? You know, and this is a this is a Saturday game, too, which adds to the complications of it. But Mike Williams is the only guy you know, other than Donald Parham on this team who has an uh, air yards per target over nine. Uh, Keenan Allen, 8.58. Uh, Josh Palmer, the great Josh Palmer, 8.65. Like, Keenan Allen's a great separator. They've got him loose deep a couple of times. Uh, the healthier he's been, the better he's looked. But Palmer's not a guy who gets open. We know Eckler's mostly going to be like a, a check down guy. So how can they push the ball deep against the secondary? I think that's going to be one of the biggest questions here. Let's transition a little bit. Uh, Scott, you already sort of started to hit on it when the Jaguars have the ball. You know, and especially the Chargers defense, they've been kind of a mixed bag this year. But Staley at different times, if you you got to give them credit that regardless of what you think about the fourth down stuff about, you know, playing guys like, which is kind of crazy. they never play guys in the preseason. Then they play guys in this week, 18 game. I don't know how you really <laughs> square that. I don't really know how you square that logically, but it is what it is. Um, you know, there, you have all those questions, but he has put together some masterful game plans, Scott, uh, particularly against the dolphins. There's been other moments when he's just really been uh, in his bag. The later the season is gone. If Bose is out there and Bose is, you know, effective, that really takes this defense to another level. And I think that's one of my biggest questions, like my biggest hesitations about getting too excited about Jacksonville right now. Yeah, for about six or eight weeks, the Chargers run defense was probably the worst in the NFL. It's been better in the second half of the season. I think the Jaguars are going to want to have a lot of Travis Etienne in this game. Again, you don't want to throw everything on Lawrence's shoulders in his first playoff start. And I was disappointed, really, the way he played the last couple of weeks. He wasn't great in the Jets game, but the Jets defense is so good. You have to give him yeah. some credit for that. That was a game played in some poor weather as well. The Jaguars are a pretty tidy fantasy team. I mean, really, if you drafted into any of these guys, they were like kind of the the poor man's Eagles, right? Where it's like, okay, I got Lawrence and I, I hooked him up with Kirk or I hooked him up with Zay Jones or I was patient with Evan Ingram, who was terrific in the second half of the year at a fantasy position that that's such a mess. But I've always been baffled. I, I don't think Travis Etienne is Marshall Falk or LaDainian Tomlinson, but why he doesn't have any games this year with more than three catches, I don't think that makes any sense. But look, you, this Chargers defense, it's obvious when you look at it, the easiest way to beat it is to run on it. It was a little bit better in the second half of the year. I think Etienne's going to easily get 15 or 20 carries in this game. He might even get more than three catches for the first time all season. There's the guy I'm interested in investing in. Because, again, I don't think they want to say to Trevor, okay, you're, you're throwing the ball 45 times today against the Staley defense that I do respect schematically against the pass. I, I You know, I'll pick it up there. Just I think, you know, I, I get it. Last week, Trevor Lawrence didn't look good. Jaguars didn't look good. For me, anyway... I, I rationalized it anyway. That was our first big game. Like, this was a playoff game. Yeah. The Jaguars are a young team, and I feel like getting that out of the way, that was a playoff game last week. So yep. this week, they have playoff experience, quote-unquote, not technically, I know. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be better off as a result. Let's, Trevor Lawrence has played in big games now. I mean, when you play Alabama in a national championship game, you have had the spotlight on you. I think he's going to really play well. I think he's going to be ready for this close up. I know he hasn't played well the last couple of weeks, but we've seen these you know, ups and downs with Trevor. Like you said, Jets defense really good in the rain. Just didn't play well last week at all. Missed some things. I think he's going to bounce back, do really, really well against the defense. I don't honestly have a lot of respect for him. It's also a matchup of two quarterbacks who have great surfer hair, right? I mean, Trevor Lawrence just looks like he was born on the beach. <laughs> Those bastards. Yeah, just, Justin Herbert, yeah, right? I mean, he's, he's probably out there... Uh, you're winging it on a surfboard with Jeff Spicoli, right? I mean, um, 
<laughs> saving saving Brooke Shields from drowning and having Van Halen play at his birthday party. But um, it's nothing if this podcast isn't movie references that Matt Harmon has no idea what we're talking about. No, we have a couple of those uh, in there. But, yeah. Yeah. Who's got the better hair? Guys, uh, I'll start with you, Frank. I, would you rather have uh, Trevor Lawrence's hair or Justin Herbert's hair? I Can I take either? Like, you know, I mean, I'm not the guy to be asking. Beggars can't be choosers, right? I, I think, though, Trevor. Trevor's got, yeah, Trevor's got that the long locks. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've written about the Jaguars this year. We go to look for a photo, and it's just Trevor Lawrence running out in the pregame, and the hair is the behind him. And they're like, I got to use this photo. I have to. Um, I'll, I'll answer that uh, as someone who is the clock is ticking and I, we're about, we're about at the, we're about at the 11th hour. Brace it, brother. It's fine. I know. I know. I know. I I might do it. Honestly, I might do it before the Super Bowl. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to get just drunk enough one night to let, to tell my wife, like, go for it. Just rip it off. Let's go. Um, but that being left aside, I've had the long hair, not quite as long as Trevor Lawrence before, but I've had that long flowing hair. That's a that's a doomsday clock. Okay, he's at some point that stuff's going to thin out, whether it comes whether whether he goes the Frank Schwab path or not, the Matt Harmon path or not. The clock is ticking, Trevor. But that like the the flow that Herbert has, the thickness of that thing, that's hair to last for life, Scott. Okay, he's he's going to be rocking that hair. Well into his fifties, well into his sixties. Great point. That is just different structure. And I have, and obviously, I have given this a lot of thought. It's so more I'm sustainable. Gonna... Yes, yes. Justin Herbert has a more sustainable business model for his hair, and this is coming from somebody who's worn a hat on every version of this podcast this year. Shout out to Brian yeah, who took care of me, Albany uh, on the basketball court and covered, by the way, Frank, on uh, Wednesday night. But yeah, more sustainable uh, business model of hair, Justin Herbert. Well, uh, honestly, there there's a huge missed opportunity uh, for sponsorship on this podcast for one of the hair loss companies. I mean, my God, I'm I'm like I'm the target demographic. If you can make it work on me, baby, you got the sponsorship for life on this podcast. Anyways, back to business. I did want to highlight before we move to spot. Well, I guess this spotlight I'll, all goes together. I'll flow it in together. Um, the Chargers have allowed uh, the th- fourth fewest catches and third fewest yards to slot receivers this year. Christian Kirk obviously had a big game against the Tennessee Titans, which, by the way, like we're talking about, we're talking past the Titans a little bit. And I know they have a ton of injuries, but that is still a defense that you know can come out and, and and play up to competition. So that is worth mentioning there. Kirk had a big game last week. Not sure if this is like another big spot for him, but it is really interesting. I'll, I'll talk about my spotlight here. Evan Ingram, just 17 bucks in daily fantasy. You know, he's obviously a lower salary than guys like Kittle, Hawkinson, Andrews, who I think people will pay up for. I wonder if Evan Ingram is a guy that comes in pretty under rostered at that salary, despite, as Scott mentioned, the the great finish uh, to his season. Frank, talk to me about Travis Etienne. I know Scott mentioned him earlier. And, you know, the, the Chargers run defense, we've even talked about this with Eckler on the show, that they're not necessarily giving up those massive runs but they are still giving up like steady chunks on the ground. Yeah, and I I still think it's in their DNA to not be a good run defense. They have been better, no doubt, but I don't trust it yet. And for the same reason Scott talked about taking a little bit off Trevor Lawrence's plate, I think ETN has a huge game here. I think they're going to use him a lot. Didn't do much last week against the Titans, but the Titans clearly, they, they played really, really well on defense. We have to give them their credit. Three games before that, ETN was over 76.5, which is the number this week. 200 yard games in there. I think he, I think he gets a hundred or at least close to it, at least enough to get over six, 76 and a half. So that's a prop I'll be playing. Cause I think Travis Etienne has a, a big game against the chargers defense. I just, I, I'm not ready to trust yet. Scott, what about your spotlight? Yeah. I, I, I want to echo everything Frank said about Etienne. And again, it's 
tied to Lawrence, you know, 593 and one touchdown pass in his last three games. And he they didn't even have a first down in the fourth quarter against Tennessee. I, I'm all for Trevor Lawrence long-term. And remember, I mean, the we looked at Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram as a new fresh coat of paint in their, in their pass catching room this year. But next year, they hopefully get something from Calvin Ridley. They may spend an early pick on a receiver. This is when this offense could really get cooking next season. Uh, I don't think they want Lawrence to throw 40 passes in this game. He won't be on my DFS plate. And, and I'm with you on Ingram, too. You know, you, you mentioned Mark Andrews. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to, we'll get the Baltimore in a second. I, I can't oh, touch yeah. anything on there. He's missed a lot of time. They may be down to a third string quarterback. I mean, whether you like Kittle, you like Hawkinson, there's other tight ends here. I'd be fine. If you want to play Ingram, don't play Mark Andrews. No. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. All right. Let's get into picks here. I'm on the chargers uh, minus two and a half. God. I mean, when is, when is having faith in the chargers in a big game? On the road too. I mean, what what could what could possibly <laughs> what go, could wrong, go wrong? Frank? But I I I am on the Chargers here. Uh, I just think they've got enough juice uh, with Herbert with Eckler. They've got enough star power. I like the way the defense matches up against Trevor Lawrence. So for me, I, I'll I'll take the Chargers here, and uh, don't feel great about it. But I, I'm a little more confident in this one than I am even the 49ers I mentioned earlier. Uh, I was just surprised, honestly, that the Chargers are favored. Uh, we saw the first yeah. meeting, uh, the, the Jaguars have played really good football lately. If if you look at the advanced stats, the, the Jaguars, you know, net yards per play, DVOA, the Jaguars ranked higher. I don't think this is a very good Chargers team. I know they got the names, but when have the Chargers ever come through for us? Meanwhile, this Jaguars team, their only loss, I think, in the last seven weeks was at the Detroit Lions, which, okay, the Detroit Lions are playing as well as just about anybody late in the year. I love Jacksonville this spot. I was surprised they weren't favored. I think the wrong team is favored. I think Jacksonville wins straight up. It's one of the two or three games I like best on this slate. I, I just, I, I think that Trevor Lawrence, I, I think he he answers the bell here. I think ETN has a big game. I, I just, and honestly, this, maybe I'm just so angry at Brandon Staley yeah. for playing his guys in week 18 that I'm letting that affect me. But I just don't know what they were doing. Like not taking the rest was was just a bad decision. I I love the Jaguars here. Well, shoot, buddy. I mean, if you're coming into a playoff game and you've got questions, we know we've got questions about the roster, health of the players, stuff like that. And you also like, are we sure the coach is, is a dude? Are we sure the coach is, is uh, making good decisions? That's a lot of questions. So I understand why you'd be hesitant there. Scott, what's your pick for this game? Yeah, I don't like it with Frank and I disagree. And it's not like I'm pounding the table for the Chargers. I probably won't put anything on this game, but I do think a little bit of playoff experience matters. The fact that Herbert's been in more big games in the NFL than Lawrence is the difference to me. I think if you can get to which quarterback plays better in this game, I think you get to the winner. And I just feel a little bit more confident with Herbert. So I'll go that way. Also, we mentioned Keenan Allen earlier. I'll give you Keenan Allen's stat line right now. Nine catches, 93 yards, no touchdowns. <laughs> you might be right. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah. right. That's the Keenan Allen. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. I, I love their projection there. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to transition into the Sunday games after this with a game on the other side first that we can certainly make up a little bit of time here on Boys. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, as promised, let's make up some time here on Dolphins at Bills. 
uh, Bills are 13 point favorites, 43 and a half over under. My note for, you know, when the Dolphins have the ball is just kind of yikes, Frank. Yeah, I, I just don't like anything. And I think underrated here, what we haven't really talked about much this week, Raheem Mostert, broken thumb, might not play. Yeah. So even if you're That's coming in deal. and saying, even if you're coming in and saying, all right, the way we got to win this game is to run it 40 times. Well, your best running back might be out. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's it's going to be it's going to be really tough against the Bills defense. It's really good. I, I it's it's hard to see them consistently moving the ball here. Scott, any any hope, any faith in the Dolphins' offense? We, I mean, obviously, theoretically, they're still explosive with Tyree Killers, still explosive with Jalen Waddle. We just haven't seen a lot of that pop. Um, you'd think this is a QB proof offense, but I don't think we've necessarily seen that being a QB proof offense uh, without Tua in there. Uh, let's be fair. I mean, they're going to a third string quarterback. It's not even like Teddy. Yeah. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater's in play. And then no, no team. I know the Niners have gotten really lucky with Purdy so far, but most teams aren't in good shape with a backup. And now we're going down to a third stringer and Buffalo at home galvanized. They obviously answered the bell last week. They, they run the opening kickback. And I think what's going to happen is Miami's going to come out and they're not going to want to expose Thompson too much early. So it's going to be a lot of runs and a lot of runs. Buffalo's going to crowd the box. It's going to be like, okay, one-yard run, two-yard run, give up, draw, punt. I I can see like the first five Miami possessions being like one first down, 27 yards of offense and five punts. This game is going to get out of hand early. Yeah, that's the way I feel too. Um, Of course, when the Bills have the ball, the question is, you know, always, Scott, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, is who else beyond Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs is going to step up? I think Josh Allen played extremely well in that Week 18 game. You know, we saw him get um, a big play loose to Diggs, who Diggs had kind of been in like a small slump in the two games prior to the Bengals' uh, canceled Monday night game, of course, and then he, he rips a big play. Uh, my boy John Brown, baby, showing up for a big play in Week 18. That was awesome to see, but... Can we get some sprinkling of anyone else here? You know, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder's back for this game after he hasn't What is he not? He's been played since week one. So, Scott, can we get anyone else other than Diggs, um, you know, to step up here for Buffalo in this game? Yeah, I'm wondering how much they use James Cook, who's uh, averaging like you know, six and a half yards per attempt his last three weeks. Singletary's going to get some runs. And, and Josh Allen... I mean, the, we talked about Staley being reckless at times. I, I don't understand why Buffalo could be in games sometimes that are lopsided and they're still proactively running it with Josh Allen, the one guy in the team you really can't replace. But uh, I think Cook, this could be a Cook week, I think. Uh, he gets double-digit touches. The, again, the game gets out of hand. Buffalo can work on the clock a little bit. It's been really tricky for a team that is legitimately on the inside of the small Super Bowl favorites. It's just strange to think that Buffalo only has two automatic plays every week, but that's where we are. If you were in a fantasy draft where you had to pick Singletary or Cook long-term, I, I I was in the draft last night. I think I ended up with Singletary, but I thought long and hard about taking Cook. I'm not sure if I made the right pick. Uh, Frank, what do you think when the uh, when the Bills have the ball there? Yeah, pretty much the same. I, I mean, I'll talk about Cook in a second in, in the spotlight, but I could see a shift. I, I could see them being like, this is our game breaker. He's ready. He's had a full rookie season now. You can see he's just, he's got a lot of juice. And Devin Singletary's fine. Like, he's played pretty well, too. But I think that maybe this narrow, narrow, narrow tree that the Bills have that you guys talk about on a podcast all the time, it, r- it really doesn't matter in this game. It might matter against the Bengals. Yeah. might matter against the Chiefs, whatever, whatever their matchups are coming up. But in this one, I think just Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen is probably enough to beat this Miami team. I know, yeah. I'm thinking that as I'm saying, like, oh, man, is there a – you know, is there any chance that like anyone else steps up here? It's like, do they really need anybody else to step up beyond Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen? And, you know, that's my spotlight here for this game is that Josh Allen is 40 bucks in DFS. He's the 
I think he's the most expensive quarterback. I think there's a decent gap there. I'm pretty sure Burrow is second at 35 or, or something like that. I, I might be missing someone off the top of my head. But either way, is it worth the squeeze? I kind of think it is uh, because, you know, Scott, you bring up like the scrambling and the and the efficiency on the ground. Like I have, it's, it's tough for them to go away from Allen as a rusher because he's been so good. He's fifth uh, on in EPA per rush, not include, and that's not including scrambles, right? Like that's just the designed runs uh, for Josh Allen there. He's been so good. He's basically been as effective, as efficient, if not more so than like a Daniel Jones or a Justin Fields or even like a Jalen Hurts as a rusher. And the fact that they don't have that second pitch as an offense is why I think he has been so still so involved uh, as a rusher there. So I think he is kind of worth that 40 bucks, and you could potentially try to make up the salary elsewhere. Um, Scott, what's your spotlight in this game? Yeah, back to Allen. We know we're in an era of running quarterbacks, and yet the only other quarterback on this slate, uh, on, the, on this first weekend anyway, if you look at all six games, who rivals – Allen as a runner is Daniel Jones. It, it's a lot of yeah. pocket quarterback play yeah. this week. I mean, yeah, Herbert will run here and there, but you know, Dak Prescott doesn't run nearly as much. We know Tom Brady's basically a statue at this point. So if you're looking for a quarterback, it's such a big thing if you have a quarterback who has touchdown equity on the ground or has you know the over-under on Allen rush yards, maybe 35 or 40 yards. And sometimes those quarterbacks run more proactively in the playoffs because what are you saving yourself for? Maybe that daredevil element kicks in. I think the Buffalo defense is going to score. They're up against an overmatched quarterback, a third-string quarterback. They're a heavy favorite. They're at home. They're going to be playing with leverage. At some point, McDaniel is going to – Mike McDee, the Miami coach, is going to say, you know what, we can't run the ball anymore. No more of these two-yard runs on first down. we got to just let Thompson throw him in the deep end, see if he sinks or swims. And that's when the Buffalo pass rush can tee off. That's when cornerbacks can start thinking about jumping an outside route. Buffalo will score on defense or special teams in this game. I really like that call. I, I hadn't really thought because you got the special teams too, and we all know Naheem Hines is on a heater now. So I'm taking a look at. I'll take James Cook over 36 and a half yards because I see two different paths to this hitting. One of them is game script, where the and that's yeah. why you know you talk about forty dollar Josh Allen. Uh, it is possible they're up thirty zip at halftime, like that kind of a game where Josh Allen just like we're putting you on ice we got we got Cincinnati next week we're not passing you anymore don't worry about it we're just going to keep handing it off to Singletary and Cook and maybe Cook gets there that way or maybe Cook is just the leader here in the backfield or at least a 50-50 split or he could break one he's got that ability 36 and a half seems really low to me because I think he'll the opportunity will be there for James Cook really like that I do have Josh Allen over 257.5 uh, passing just because he torched Miami both games this year. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, both these games were close, no doubt. But in both games, Buffalo's offense was awesome. I think they gained over 400 in each game. And it's just, it's even if this game becomes a laugher in the third quarter or something, I still think Josh Allen could have one of those first halves where, all right, you're, you're, you hit the over in early third quarter. That He hit a few big passes. This Dolphins defense isn't very good. So, yeah, but James Cook is one of my favorite plays on the board. And don't be fooled, right? Even though they split the matchups in the regular season, Buffalo absolutely dominated the game at Destroyed. Miami. They just couldn't I think, turn it into I think it was like four. I think yardage was like 457 to 212. Like, that was, the, that was the, like everybody's uh, like passing out on the sideline because of uh, the, yeah. the heat and the yeah it was the classic Miami September the opposing yep, team yep, is yep, in the yep. sun we're in the in the shade you know that yeah. classic and Josh Miami. Allen missed wide open Isaiah McKenzie basically for the win at the goal right, line right yeah Ken like, Dorsey yeah, yeah, was yeah. destroying electronics <laughs> yeah, that's right that's box, right that was right. that game yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, just one more note on Josh Allen like there's kind of six I would say 
big time scrambling quarterbacks right now. There's Justin Fields, there's Josh Allen, there's Daniel Jones, there's Pat Mahomes, uh, there's Jalen Hurts, and then of course there's Lamar Jackson when he's healthy. Everybody is over a 7% sack rate in that group, except Mahomes, who's at 3.9, which is absurd. And then Josh Allen at 5.5. Like the lack of mistakes, he's obviously, I think he's put the ball, you know, in positions where defenders can make plays on it in the passing game, but the lack of mistakes from a sack perspective has been pretty impressive for Josh Allen. Yeah. Justin Fields um, got sacked three times since you started that. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I, <laughs> I mentioned like everybody's over seven. Uh, Justin Fields is seven times two, 14.7% sack rate. Uh, Justin this year. Fields. Really? Justin Fields. 14. Oh, yes. my goodness. 14.7%. Okay. Super Bowl era. If you go by sack rate and you index it to every individual season. So where do you stand against the league average? Justin Fields got a 41 in sack rate, which is 59% lower than the league average, which is the worst in the Super Bowl era by far. There's wow. nobody even remotely close to him. He is on yeah. an island. And, uh, wow, not even, like David, not even David Carr those first years? Jeez. Nope. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've, I've looked up like similar stats, too, just even in the last like four years or something. It's absurd, like the amount of sacks he has taken so far. Um, but, hey, we're going to have lots of opportunity for Justin, Justin Fields and Bears <laughs> quarterback discourse. I'm already yeah. tired of talking about it. We've yeah. been like – three days or something uh let's pick this game against the spread here real quick i'm on the bills it's a lot of points um but uh, man i it's just tough for me to imagine this is a team right now i think buffalo uh you know we haven't talked about demar hamlin and like just the, the effect that that has had obviously we talked about the kickoff last week but i just think this looks like a team that was already you know a favorite to win the super bowl already extremely uh, motivated to, to show up this year it feels like they're you know an extra layer of like a team on a mission right now frank where are you at in this game I just kind of held my nose and took the Dolphins, just figuring 13 points in a playoff game. Doesn't happen often where you get the you 13. You coward. No. Uh, I, just, I, I just I don't know how they're going to cover, but, man, 13 in a playoff game is a lot. There's only been 24 games in the Super Bowl era that have had a, points, 24 playoff games, obviously, that have had a spread of 13 or more. Uh, those teams actually haven't done that well against the spread. Uh, I think it's 23 games and 9 and 14 against the spread for those huge, huge underdogs. But I just, I don't know. I'm almost forcing myself to take the Dolphins here because it's it's hard to lay 13 points in an NFL game. That's where I'm at. I mean, I'm taking Buffalo, but Frank knows this. I I, I hate spotting big numbers in the NFL because the other guys get paid too. They're going to practice. Yeah. They're going to game plan. But the problem is Miami knows in its heart that they don't have, they're not coming in there with their full personnel. They're, they're not playing the quarterback they want. They're not even playing Teddy. They don't really have a chance in this game. They, they'll give a a brave face. Uh, and also, look, Mike McDaniel can wear that, you know, we want to be colder t-shirt all he wants. Miami also has a horrible track record in recent seasons of playing yeah. in colder weather. Not that it's, it's going to be the ice ball here, but this is a warm weather team heading north, playing Buffalo at the wrong time. I just think this game's going to get out of hand, and I don't feel confident that Miami can score more than, say, 10 or 13 points. I, I hate giving 13. If you followed me all year, a lot of my picks against the spread were just reflexively taking the double-digit underdog, but I'm not going to do it Same. here. Give me Buffalo. God, it's it sucks at Miami's season. I mean, look, they're have, the game hasn't played yet. I don't want to like give the postmortem here, but it sucks that it feels like it's going to end this way after what was such right. a fun season uh, for them. But I, I'm with you, Scott, that I do think uh, – I just don't see how they can be too competitive here. All right, let's move on to Giants at Vikings. Uh, this game – is a tough one uh, for me, for sure. The Vikings are three-point favorites, 48 over under. Uh, as you mentioned, Frank, this is another rematch. Um, I just want to talk about Daniel Jones when the Giants have the ball here. He's 11th in EPA per dropback on the season. 
a lot of that obviously comes from what we just talked about, his work as a rusher. But we know that the Vikings secondary has been exploitable all year. Uh, Brian Dayball went the opposite way of of Brandon Staley, he figured out he figured out a way. I know the games are tough to manage, Brandon, but Brian <laughs> oh Brian Dable figured out figured out, figured uh, out a way to rest his guys last week and still field a full roster, Frank. So how are we feeling about the Giants as they come into the playoffs here? Uh, obviously, I I, I got to give them a little bump, a little uh, for the rest. I, I, look, bye weeks, it was pseudo bye week, and week eighteen is such a gift. Like take that yeah. and and rest your guys and be ready. Uh, we all know how violent the NFL is and how long the season is now. I, I thought it was really, really smart of Brian Dayball to not play into the whole momentum nonsense. Smart. I think, you know, in the first game, you go back and look at this game, it was 34-31, I believe. Vikings needed a 61-yarder walk-off to win by Greg Joseph. The Giants moved the ball very, very well. Saquon played well. He's been playing well lately. I don't yeah. think the Giants are going to have any problem moving the ball. Even with their no name, uh, you know, the, the the guys who they trot out there at receiver, these knuckleheads. What's your term for it, Matt? There's, you always use it. I've officially, I've officially retired goofballs, the term goofballs. goofball. I've officially retired goofball. I'm done. Oh, I'm done. I'm done with goofball. I'm, I'm calling yeah. you guys and myself goofballs, but uh, I have made an official uh, decree that we're no <laughs> lo- I'm no longer goofballing NFL players, um, but that's a, a whole other topic. But yeah, you guys I, still goofballs. Me, king yeah, of the goofballs here on this show. Uh, but no, yeah, but it has definitely been a questionable receiver core. Isaiah Hodgins really interesting to me. This guy's been like incredible since they pulled him off. Like all of a sudden, right? Productive. I was like, yeah. like oh, where did this guy come from? And why are they giving him 10 targets a game now? I don't get it. Hey, let's let's call it what it is. Daniel Jones, probably the most improved player in the NFL. He might be. He's up there. He played really well this season. That's all credit to Brian Dable. Dude, I mean, even I, when they I, were like winning games earlier, I was still on the whole all right, well, I get it, but they have Tyrod on the roster, so they could like maybe just go with Tyrod next year while they groom another quarterback. And now I'm sitting here, and maybe this is too reactionary. I'm not sitting here saying they need to like give Daniel Jones, you know, the Pat Mahomes contract, or you know, get, you know, give go give him the Kyler Murray contract, even to be oh. more quote reasonable about the whole thing. I'm not saying that, but they do. I think they do need to find a way to bring Daniel Jones back next year. Um, Saquon's obviously a free agent too. You mentioned it, uh, Frank, that Saquon has averaged 5.2 yards per carry in the final. Final three games, he was at two point eight seven. The four games prior to that, so he's kind of busted his slump here. And yeah, it feels like the it feels like the Giants are are clicking at the right time. I think we're all kind of uh, on board with that. Yeah, I, I mean, they've they've exceeded my expectations. I'll tell you that. I didn't think this team was going to be very good. I didn't think this offense was going to be very good. They're fine. They, they they can move the ball. Vikings uh, when they have the ball. <laughs> I actually don't have anything in the dock here because they're 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 such like a, a simplistic team, right? And weirdly, they only kind of have one thing that works, and it's like if Justin Jefferson doesn't have a big eruption game, uh, Scott, this 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 offense doesn't have a big eruption game. Yeah, Dalvin Cook been a mild disappointment. He's been hurt at times. He hasn't been effective at times. Remember, this game is the highest. I, I would argue, not not to interrupt, but I would argue that he has been a big NFL disappointment. Mm-hmm. Like from a from a player's, he was definitely like he was fine in fantasy. He didn't absolutely destroy your season or something like that. But I would actually argue that. He has been more disappointing from a real-life standpoint. Again, weirdly enough, because the Vikings have been a good team, but I'd argue he's more disappointing from a real-life standpoint from a fantasy um, standpoint. I, totally fair. Um, I go back to that playoff draft I did uh, last night. Several times, Dalvin Cook was staring me right in the face where it's like, Dalvin Cook's the right pick here, and I kept just passing on him and going and attacking <laughs> other positions. 
But thankfully for the Vikings, look, indoor game, this is the highest total of the week, 48. We saw both teams move the ball really easily last game. And not only did Jefferson, when they met, not only did Jefferson have a huge game, but Hawkinson went crazy in that game too. He had, uh, 13 for 109 and two touchdowns. So I don't think it's as simple as, oh, okay, we'll just find a way to stop Justin Jefferson hard enough as it is, especially indoors on turf where his better games have come. But I, I think Hawkinson's a problem for them. Cousins is the classic good enough guy. This is a little bit of the fraud ball, right? I mean, Giants are 21st in DVOA. <laughs> yeah. Vikings, I think, are 27th. Nobody thinks whoever wins this game is going to win the next round. We think they're probably going to get blown out of the building when they go on the road next week. But I expect plenty of points this game. I just don't think the Vikings offense, I think they're smart enough. I think O'Connell's smart enough that Dalvin Cook will get his opportunities early, but they don't go anywhere. I think they'll just pivot to throwing more, or maybe we see a lot of Alexander Madison in this game. I would not be surprised at all if Cook ended the day with like nine carries for 33 yards. Oh, I think that's well within the range of outcomes. And and on the Kirk Cousins thing, I love that you, it's the fraud bowl. Like both these teams are definitely on fraud watch. And now the one thing that has me nervous about Kirk Cousins, like when the when the Vikings have the balls that, you know, the most for the most part, the league has transitioned away from being super blitz heavy. Uh, except the Giants, uh, Wink Martindale, baby, he's that Tiger's not changing his stripes. Two hundred eighty-five blitz dropbacks this year it leads the NFL by almost like over thirty. Yeah, over thirty uh, dropbacks. So like a full extra game of blitzing uh, from the Giants as compared to everybody else. That does seem like the setup, Frank, that could potentially put Kirk Cousins in the blender and send him haywire and and be pretty problematic here. Yeah, we we've seen you hit Kirk Cousins early; it, it goes downhill for him. He's that guy. I yep. I like Kirk. I stick up for Kirk a lot more than other people. But I also do know Charles Robinson's pointing this out a lot. He's one of those guys where if you get pressure on him early, he really starts to shrink. And if the Giants get home some blitzes, yeah, that that it could end up being one of those Kirk games where. Twitter just erupts after the game. Like Kirk Cousins stinks. He's the worst quarterback in football. It, it could it could end up being a, a tough game for Kirk. He got him for two ninety nine and three the first game. No no interceptions. Um, rating of one hundred seven nine. So he's if good. They have, Kirk if they is have not the a answers. Yeah, if they have the answers against Kirk. You know, Wink Wink Martindale and and Pat Sajak and and Chuck Woolery weren't weren't rolling him out a month ago. <laughs> Right over the head. Uh, but uh, Scott, you you did mention in the last game, and I know it's your spotlight here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson was a big factor in why they had that big game. Yeah, I don't trust this giant secondary, and I don't trust their seam coverage. And Hawkinson, Cousins has generally had good chemistry with his tight ends going back to his Washington days. I feel confident Hawkinson has double-digit targets in this game. I think he's a fair amount of touchdown equity because you would think the Giants would sell out as much as they can to make sure Jefferson doesn't blow up this game. He may do it anyway. Charles Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, George Jefferson, you know, all the Jeffersons this week. But Thomas. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson. That's a good one. But oh yeah. No, I know. I'm familiar with his work. I'm familiar hey, with yeah. his work? Yeah. He did well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah he's on, he's on some currency. I, I forget. Two dollar bill, I believe, right? He saw him two dollar. Oh, shout out to two dollar bill, right? man. Uh yeah. We, so, yeah. yeah he, two dollar bill uh, shout out know. to two dollar bill is not what i expected on <laughs> the show that's i like it I like shout it. out to the two dollar bill uh I, I think i still have one of those laying around here big time collector's item the old two dollar bill yeah uh, virginia is, guy hawkinson is somebody who i took proactively in a playoff draft because i think i'm getting two games out of him he's already shown the ability to dominate this defense and you know his efficiency was maybe a little bit better with detroit but i'm impressed whenever you trade a pass catcher in the middle of a season and he picks up pretty smoothly with his new location. A lot of times that doesn't happen. Teams have tried it. And that's why we saw like a 10-year period where teams didn't make NFL deadline trades in part because the deadline was so early, but also because I think teams were worried about acclimation issues. That hasn't been a problem with Hawkinson. I think he goes off again. 
all these people I'm fighting with last night uh, about, you know, we got to just take the tight end position out of fantasy, which I know, Scott, you've got feelings on, too. Um, yeah, no. fighting with them on Twitter last night. Like, a, no. like a, I'm a, I talk about a goofball. I mean, a total goofball uh, fighting about this on Twitter last night. But uh, people, it's like you guys are just erasing TJ Hawkinson season. I know Travis Kelsey was just like unfairly good, but. We're not going to punish the entire position because one guy is really, really good at it. So, we'll save people, that for another time. Some people won't be happy until we're just drafting team offenses. Okay, I have the first overall I, pick. I think Team Kansas I City. Truly, I, get all their I truly believe. I truly believe you when you say that. That that is that is the truth. It's like, listen, the game can't. Ju- we can't just make the game super easy. You can't just quit something because it's hard. But that we we're not going to go down that road. Well, I, I, pro- I promise it's some very succinctly. Okay. When you take a position out of fantasy football, what you do is you give players fewer options with their first right. and second round picks. And the draft then draft just becomes remember when people are complaining, oh, the first round is all running backs. It's so boring. Or the first round is all running backs and receivers. It's so boring. If you take tight end out, now Kelsey isn't in play in the first round. And there's one less interesting pick to make. There's one less fork in the road to consider. That that makes the game less dynamic and less interesting. Totally. We should honestly do a full a full podcast. Get I think Andy might agree with these tight end people, though I can't tell sometimes when Andy's going back and forth on Twitter, like how much he's just um, trying to get in my head versus how much he's being serious. But that we might put that on the offseason docket. Uh, the tight the great tight end debate in fantasy football. But let's wrap this up here. Um, I, on my spotlight, I've got KJ Osborne. And again, it was funny. We're talking about Vikings players. We're concerned about you know the Vikings. KJ Osborne. Oh, what a deep cut, but, man. I mean, hey, listen. 25 catches, 350 yards, two touchdowns in the last four weeks, 16 bucks in daily fantasy. That's more than Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's like barely a rumor on this team right now. Uh Um, Yeah, and K.J. Osborne has been explosive. I agree with you that if you're going to hit the Giants somewhere defensively, Scott, it is going to be up the seams. Thielen or uh, Osborne, oddly enough, Thielen's got big slot experience. Everybody talked about Justin Jefferson, the Cooper Cup role. KJ Osborne's been the slot receiver for this team. He's got a little bit of juice to him, so I think he's somebody to watch in this game. But Frank, Bring it back to the great Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, he had 334 passing first game against Minnesota. And one thing that has been a little bit of a cheat code in props is taking quarterback rushing overs. The thought process being they got nothing to lose now. You're not saving anything. So usually with guys with a little lower props in the rushing totals. But I think there's no reason to hold back on Daniel Jones running. So you want to take the over for him pass yards, over for him rushing yards. I could sign off on that. I think I think Daniel Jones has a pretty big game. I agree with you. And what did he rush for like ninety one yards in week seventeen? I mean, I think that kind of speaks mm-hmm. to speaks to your theory there. Right now it's forty and a half. Uh, the over under no, for, for his yeah, yeah I take I take the over there for sure. If it was in the I would 50s, I would I'd take it too. Let me say it. this about overs with props and and I can totally agree on that idea that the quarterbacks run more aggressively late in the season or in the playoffs. If you're an over prop better get in as early as you can because those lines yeah, generally yeah, tend yeah, to go yeah. up as we get closer to kickoff and you, we may be looking at a mid forties, Daniel Jones. So if you like that, if that sounds good to you, go do your shopping right away and, and buy your ticket early. If you're going to bet under, you usually want to wait. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if that's at like 45 uh, here in a couple of days. All right. Picks against the spread boys. We're all on the giants. <laughs> I mean, oh, crazy boy. enough. Uh, there's no, no respect for the Minnesota Vikings. I'll say this real quick that, if you look back at that first meeting, the Giants outplayed them. I, I know the Vikings won, but you look at the box score, the Giants were better, uh, you know, yards, yards per play, all that kind of stuff. It was two turnovers and a block punt that really turned this game around. Can't depend on that every week to win a turnover battle like that. So I just think the Giants, look, I don't, I, I hate that Vikings fans have had to put up all season with people kind of 
trying to trash their season and say you're frauds, you stink. They're, they don't. They don't stink. They're just they're not 13 and four. It doesn't mean they stink, but I just think it's a good spot for the Giants. And I, I took them plus three, and I'll take them to win straight up too. I know this is going to sound silly because. Joseph hit the kick from the parking lot to win the the first matchup, but the better kicker in this game is Graham Gano, and that may be a, a factor mm-hmm. in why mm-hmm. the Giants could win. Panthers legend Graham Gano. All right, Ravens at Bengals. Bengals are eight and a half point favorites. Of course, the big one for this uh, for for Baltimore here. <laughs> Who's playing quarterback for this team? And does it matter? Because it's probably not going to be Lamar Jackson. I don't know that it matters if it's Anthony Brown or if it's Tyler Huntley. Um, you know, Huntley's had like a couple of moments. Mostly just that Green Bay game that I think he's still kind of living off that reputation. Yeah. I'm not really, I'm not really sure how good Tyler Huntley is. Lord Podcast, uh, John, our podcast producer, was the one who pointed out like uh, every time you read off these like league worst EPA stats, it always feels like Tyler Huntley's down there at the bottom. I think that's probably pretty telling about Tyler Huntley. So don't know if it matters who plays quarterback for this team because they're probably not going to get Lamar Jackson, Frank, which is a big problem for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, no Lamar Jackson yet. It's hard to believe that he's going to just turn it around and play by this weekend. And also Tyler Huntley dealing with a shoulder from all accounts has not thrown the ball in the viewing period for the media at practice. So I'm crossing Tyler Huntley off the list. I assume it's going to be Anthony Brown, the undrafted rookie. Not a spot you want to be in. Uh, Yeah, this offense is broken. We know what we're getting out of them, though. It's going to be just, you know, 80% runs. You know, Anthony Brown, you know, Anthony Brown did not play terribly last week like he did some decent things i guess so i don't think that's unlocking this passing offense or anything but this is going to be a the ravens just gonna have to try to grind this game out because they're not scoring much. since the bye week this is eight games for baltimore they've scored more than 17 points once and they've averaged 14.3 points a game mm-hmm. and again look I get it. No Jackson. I get it. Huntley hasn't played well, but they might not even have those guys. It might be Anthony Brown. I, Anthony Brown. Yeah. This is, again, America's tease is going to be some version of the Niners and, and the Bengals just to, to mm-hmm. win or to, to win by a reduced spread because it's hard to imagine how Cincinnati doesn't take care of business here. Yeah, it really is. And I, I J.K. Dobbins, I guess, has to have a monster game if they're going to win this. He has been awesome since returning from injury, got rested in week 18. The Bengals, though, are like 14th in rushing success rate allowed since week 10. Um, they can put on a pretty good defensive showing there. Let's I mean, talk about so when what, the Bengals. So what, though? I mean, Dobbins had right, 120, yeah. 125 yards against the Browns, and they scored three points. <laughs> it's like, I mean, yeah, yeah no, it's, yeah. it's like – I can again, this is like a wider conversation, but can you? I said he's gonna have to take over the game. Can you really take over the game as just like a, a running back who doesn't catch passes? I, I, I don't, not enough to keep up with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I don't think, even if they're not at their finest performance here, and they won't, the Bengals defense won't have to play the pass offense of the Ravens seriously, they won't have to play no. it honestly because they no. have no outside threat. When's the, la- when's the last time like a Ravens receiver has gone over? Like fifty yards. It was like Anquan like, Bolden, uh, like five years ago. <laughs> hey, it was Rashad Bateman had that big week too. Bateman, yeah, against the Miami <laughs> yeah, Dolphins, that's, right? That's yeah, it, yeah. though. I mean, uh, that's like the only pot. Well, no, Demarcus Robinson had. Um, yeah, absurd, that random one hundred and seven yeah, or whatever. Absurd, like uh, what? Demarcus Jacksonville. The fact that that's what the Ravens, that the receiver room is full of. He's still in the league. Robinson's still in the league. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson's Deshaun still Jackson. in the league. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. Um, when the Bengals have the ball, I, I mean, I think we could just kind of keep it succinct like the biggest question is just can the passing game roll here the Ravens do still have a pretty good defense yeah I, I don't I honestly think the Bengals are going to roll them I'll talk about that a little bit in my spotlight but I think this 
look, the Ravens' defense is good. I mean, yeah. we talk about their offense so much, and rightfully so, because it stinks. But the defense keeps them in games. So just go, and, just go right into it with the with the with your spotlight here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just yeah. look. The Bengals had less than three hundred yards five times this year, including twice against the Ravens. This is ever since it got Roquan Smith. This defense has been. I don't know if elite, but very close. I, I, and yeah. You've seen these ugly games. They they keep it close. I, I just if you're just assuming Burrow goes for 300 and Jamar Chase goes for buck 25 or whatever, it really is not how it's gone for them. I get last week they took their foot off the gas a little bit. They had that game. They knew it. They they just kind of got lazy in the second half a little bit. But I don't assume the Bengals. Like if you're asking me just in a different way, you know, I said all unders on Seattle guys. I'm not that excited to bet unders on Bengals guys. But I'm not betting you over either. Because I know how good this Ravens defense has been, especially against the Bengals. I want to push back a little bit on the Ravens defense. Not that I don't respect it, and Frank's right, it has played well. But since the bye week, they've played Carolina with Baker Mayfield starting. The Jaguars, okay, that, that's legitimate. And they lost that game, by the way, and they allowed 28 points. They played the Denver Broncos when, before Nat, Nat Hackett got fired when Russell Wilson couldn't do anything right. They played a rookie in Kenny Pickett. They played Deshaun Watson, who looked lost for the final quarter of the season. They played the Falcons, who obviously had never had a quarterback we felt good about. They played Pickett again. And then they played a Bengals team that really had no interest in taking that game seriously. I know the players were on the field, but Cincinnati knew it really had nothing to gain because Buffalo wasn't going to lose. So congratulations. That's, that's about as easy a slate as far as opposing offenses that you could ask for. And I always ask myself a question. When I respect the defense— but then I look at the offense on the other side and I'm like, how are they going to sustain offense? How are they going to hold the ball? I just always think of that roof that gets too much snow on it and eventually it collapses. I think it's a case where it might be close at halftime. It's like 10 to 6. Like, oh, Ravens are hanging yeah. in. And then Cincinnati does a lot of good things in the third quarter. The game gets out of hand. Then Baltimore can't be conservative on offense anymore. And all of a sudden the game really becomes a route. I, I hate giving big points. I'll give away my pick right here. I Again, I like Cincinnati as the tease if you go that route, but I think they're going to cover the number. I think this game will be cosmetically close for a half, and then Cincinnati will pull away. Scott, you and I are like on the exact same page here about how I think this game is going to go because it'd be one thing if the Bengals were a bad defense, but Lou Anarumo is a great defensive coordinator, puts together some great defensive game plans. I can't imagine, you know, the Ravens scoring more than I mean 14 points seems like impossible for this team against this defense so um, I'm with you there the Bengals by the way on offense are 27th in rushing success rate since week 13 at different points this year you know Joe Mixon obviously really struggled to start the year and then like he had that big game then he went out for a while and Samaje Piran sort of gave him a little bit of something there as the, as the villain running back but then they basically put him back on the shelf and it's all the Mixon's show and it's actually not going that well from a rushing standpoint but I just and I can't imagine Frank to your point that it's going to be great here against Roquan Smith and the boys but I just don't know that it matters so for that reason transitioning into picks I am also on the Bengals Scott uh you know eight and a half is a lot but I could easily see them winning by 10 points like in this game here, just because I can't imagine like Burrow. And, and I'm, I'm with you, Frank, that I, I think I don't know. There's going to be a big Burrow performance. I don't know. There's going to be like a big, you know, both Jamar Chase and T Higgins both go off or something like that. Tyler Boyd has, I don't know. This is going to be an offensive eruption, but again, 24 points feels like an insurmountable. Uh, they could, I think they can get 24 here. And that seems like insanely insurmountable for Baltimore. No, that's all fair. I'm going with Baltimore, not with a lot of confidence because of every reason you said, but just kind of a blind faith pick in, in John Harbaugh, who I think is yeah, which one I of the top three, four coaches in the NFL. 
I think they're just going to ugly this game up and it's going to be 16-10. And, and they just somehow cover in a game none of us really wants to watch. I get it. Look, the Bengals are awesome against the spread somehow, even though everybody saw them coming and they were kind of a really public play because Burrow, big name, Super Bowl run. They still went 12-3-1 against the spread this year. Pretty impressive. So it's hard for me to t- go against the Bengals, but I'm just kind of forcing an underdog pick here because I'm an underdog better. And I'll just say, you know, this game, somehow, someway, the Ravens, it probably won't be as close as even the score indicates. But again, one of those ugly, it's 16-10 and the Ravens get the money and you're just like, yeah, they, they shouldn't have, but they did. Not that trends are necessarily predictive, but I think it's a 22 and three run for the Bengals against the spread. If you go back to the end of last season into the playoffs, they've been America's ATM and we'll never know it. I think they were going to beat Buffalo in the game that got truncated. We obviously understand why they did that. Totally agree what you said about Harbaugh, by the way. And when teams are, a lot of teams are going to change their coaches. I get it. And they're going to look at, oh, who's the hot, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I love the CEO coach model, the Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. model, mm-hmm. the John Harbaugh mm-hmm. model, where he's in charge of everything, but he's not necessarily game planning and so overextended. Look, it can work. and It works with Andy Reid. It works with Sean Payton. You know, Bill Belichick is obviously going to have his fingers all over the Patriots defense. And, you know, for many years, that's been great. But Harbaugh and Tomlin, to me, is that's your template. You're trying to replicate that when you're making your head coach hire. Totally agree. Love that call. Uh, if I could just make one recommendation to John Harbaugh, who doesn't care what I think, get get my boy Scott Turner. There are dozens of us. Scott mm-hmm. Turner in there to design the passing game at least. You can keep Greg Roman around, have him design that run game. Let's get young Turner in there and, and design some pass game concepts for next year with hopefully a I was surprised you got like a Scott Turner's a good coach. Yeah, I'm I'm not that I'm I'm not that surprised. I'm only surprised because he's on the Ron Rivera friends and family plan, and I'm imag- I imagine that at this point Ron has put in a call to uh, Rob Chudzinski and Mike Shula because he only hires former Panthers guys that he's worked with. Uh, maybe back to the Chargers days, but I was surprised there. But there, I like Scott Turner, but you can criticize a lot of the sequencing and the you know stuff like that. But that's a whole well, also when a coach gets on the on the hot seat. It's usually okay. You, you have two choices. Move, yeah. Do you want to go or do you want to fire some people? So maybe you yeah, have to fire same some with, people. Same with, um, I bet same with Mike LaFleur in, in the Jets, although it sounds like there was sort of mutual. God, did he there, need but, to go? That offense, man. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure it's mostly Mike LaFleur's fault. I think there might be another guy to blame there, but uh, For sure. that's a, <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, all right. Might have a problem. Might have a little bit of a problem. All right. Are the Cowboys going to have a problem in this game? That's uh, our question here. Cowboys, two and a half point favorites in Tampa Bay. A little bit surprised by that, but only a little bit. Forty five and a half point over under here. Um, When the Cowboys have the ball, the biggest question is just like what Dak Prescott are we getting? I think Dak has played well this year, despite those interceptions up until last week. Last week was not a good game, period. Um, the Bucks have the 10th most blitz snap since week 10, the fourth lowest YPA, Scott. Um, what what Dallas offense are we going to get here? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not too concerned about last week because Dallas had really nothing to gain. I, I'm surprised right. they rolled out their main guys as long as they did. Dak, you know, leading the league in interceptions when you miss a month of play is, is kind of a nifty trick, but Dak pulled it off. This offense <laughs> needs a second downfield pitch. CD yeah, Lamb's terrific. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just sad that, you know, we, we don't, Michael Gallup isn't healthy right now. Maybe next year he will be, but, and w- how much, what's the split in the backfield, right? I mean, Zeke's not a bad player, but we all know Tony Pollard is the better player. I think it's incumbent yeah. on Dallas to make sure Pollard is closer to being the featured guy to Zeke. Let Zeke be the second half of Jerome Bettis's career. Let him run on third and short, let him score the one yard touchdown, which he did a bunch of times this year. But 
I'm concerned that Prescott just has never, he's never really been in a great flow this year. And I think it's because they don't have that second pitch downfield. And man, it's frustrating to see because I, at one point I thought this was one of the three or four best teams in football. They're still a team I think could go deep because they won't be afraid of the Eagles if they win this game. But I think they're going to have a lot of trouble with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's eight and nine. I get it. But they've finally started to be more proactive. We'll talk about their offense in a second. I think Dallas could be in trouble in this game. This is kind of a trap game for them because it's easy to look at Tampa Bay. Oh, they're eight and nine. They they should be hosting a playoff game. The, we got to change all the rules and everything. The Buccaneers think they can win this game. And Dallas, I'm afraid we're going to look at the end of the game. It's going to be like, oh, why did Zeke get 15 carries and Tony Pollard get seven? Frank, I know you feel like the exact opposite about Tampa Bay. I know you feel like the exact opposite, that they're they're a bad team and that we should treat them like a bad team. They're terrible. They're a terrible football team, like, legitimately <laughs> terrible. I, I I will go off when we get the picks because I really want to get this out. I'll just say when the – I look, I don't think Dak is as terrible. My whole point with the pick, whatever. The Cowboys, everything that happens to them, we overreact to. Oh, my God, week yeah. 18, you got to get rid of Dak. you got to fire McCarthy. They have not – like Scott said, they have nothing to play for in this game. They knew the Eagles were going to lose. Nothing to play for in this game. They played terribly against the Commanders, but before that, They'd won six or seven. This is not, I still think there's a very good team. I think they're going to be able to move the ball just fine. The Bucks haven't done great against number one receivers this year. So I think CD is going to do good. I just, I'm fine. I, I'm good with the Cowboys offense. I think they're going to be able to move it just fine. This Buccaneers defense has been pretty overrated this year. Not very good. Their offense stinks even worse. So I, I want people I, to consider one thing though about this game. Okay. DVOA, strength of schedule. Tampa Bay played the number six the schedule this year, the sixth hardest schedule. The Cowboys played the 21st hardest mm-hmm. schedule. That's what that's he, fair. That's fair. Tampa Bay played a much, much more difficult schedule. I, I get it. Tampa How is that possible in that? Oh, I was just going to say, like, we're all, <laughs> <laughs> they're playing the Saints, the damn Panthers, and, and the Falcons over and over again. How is that possible? No, they got that first first uh, first place schedule. So I get it. But yeah. And the Bucks. I, I, I'll go off on them in a little bit. The, 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 yeah. Not a good football. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save it. The, what is great about Dallas, I think, that is, I think they're a really well-balanced team. And if one thing falters, I agree with you, Frank, that we do tend to overreact to all things Cowboys, which, you know, that's just, that's just working in media, baby. That's big media. Okay. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you've seen, you've seen the ratings on like all the most watched games. There's like four or five of them are, are Cal- Cowboys games. Oh so, yeah, uh, huge. yeah, it is, it is what it is, but I do think, like if the offense falters, the defense can still really bring it here. Dallas is the second highest cover one percentage since week 10. Great credit to Dan Quinn. Um, you know, Frank's uh, doppelganger there. I'm about to join. I'm about to get on, I'm about to get on the Dan Quinn program here with you too, Frank. So uh, you me, you me, you and Dan Quinn, we're all going to uh, look like buddies here, but and honestly, Lord podcast too. bald, bald guys with beards. I'm, I'm trying to get in on this here. Um, what I'm what I'm trying to say here, really though, is it's a credit to Dan Quinn uh, for you know really evolving as a defensive play caller this year. I think we could really see a really big game here by the Cowboys defense. They have the second most pressure yeah. since Week Ten. They've still been really great, even if they haven't been firing all cylinders. And really, it just comes back to Frank: Is Tom Brady going to hold on to the ball? Is going to stand in the pocket and let plays develop. I think Mike Evans can get loose on the secondary, can make those big plays, but. I just don't have confidence in Brady as a as a guy who's going to sit there in, in the pocket and hold it right now. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Smith is going to take five holding penalties in pregame warm-ups. I mean, this is just, 
Is there a bigger coaching mismatch, by the way, than this weekend, than Dan Quinn against Byron Leftwich? Like, I, real, I, yeah. I didn't think Leftwich was a bad coach until this year. He's just had a bad year. Uh, and he's they just really have no year. answers. And part of that's personnel. I get it. But Dan Quinn's awesome. He has had this defense humming all year. I, I really think that I, I think you're going to see a lot of Brady throwing it very quickly because he doesn't want to get hit. I don't think this offensive line can hold up in any way, shape, or form. And good night if the Cowboys go up 10 or something because it's just going to be open season at that point. Scott, what do you say? You know, Tampa Bay finally at the end of the season started to go a little bit up-tempo early in games. This has been the, they have been the college student who did every term paper the night before, the morning before, right? Brady's touchdown passes by quarter, two, six, four, and 13. And they pulled some games. They've had several games where they've looked terrible for two or two and a half hours. Then they pull out the game in the last five minutes. It's been very similar to that Tim Tebow 2011 season that Frank and I always talk about. Man, do we need a documentary on that? He's been Tebowing. 55 minutes of garbage, five minutes of good play. But part of that is changing what you're doing. What do you do well in those final five minutes? And I get why teams don't do that in the first half. Because the fear is always, well, what if we go three and out with a hurry up? We're, we're, we're exposing our defense. We're putting them in a bad spot. It's the first quarter. Nobody's tired yet. I think Tampa Bay needs to be flexible on offense. They need to be proactive. And they can't be afraid of, oh, what if it doesn't work? No, no, no. It's your best pitch. Throw it. If they hit it out of the park, so what? Prop I like in this game. I, Dak's going to throw a pick in this game. I, I get Dallas should win. Mm. And, and look, I'm all for Dan Quinn, by the way. I went to high school with a, a Dan Quinn, by the way. So shout out to Dan Quinn, Chelmsford High, <laughs> 01824. There's also a great NHL player named Dan Quinn. And don't we love it, right? When you can hire a failed head coach or a, a head coach who gets fired and then get him back to his coordinator roots, that's always such a good Like play. Jason Garrett. Like that was that worked out great for the well, Giants. All right, doesn't <laughs> okay. No, but Dorf Turner and Wade Phillips. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, agree. I even think Cliff Kingsbury, who I couldn't stand as a head coach, might be a good coordinator. We, we've seen how many guys have gone to Alabama on the Nick Saban Fellowship and gotten their careers back on track. But I want to see Tampa. And look, I, I haven't liked Leftwich all year. The way he's called plays. You're right about Brady. He's throwing the ball really quickly. He, he has no interest in getting hit. The offensive line. They lost Gronk. They lost personnel on the line. That's been a problem. But I think Tampa Bay is going to be more proactive in the first half of this game, and they're actually going to do something in the first half for once, which has been a problem all season. Dak is minus one seventy five to throw a pick in this game, which is just pretty good. Yes. Wow, yeah, led pretty, the league pretty. In- yeah, 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 exactly. Led the league. Didn't even start the whole year, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, my my spotlight for this game is that uh, give me all the Godwin overs. Only twenty two bucks in DFS. Mm-hmm. I think because of that pressure uh, that's going to be on Brady because of his tendency to get the ball out. Seven uh, and and a half is his over under for catches. I'll take the over on that one. I think this is a pretty big uh, Godwin game. Love Scott, that. you mentioned. Yeah, you mentioned mm-hmm. that the, the touchdowns by quarter for uh, for 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 Tampa Bay uh, and Tom Brady. Frank, give me your spotlight here. Yeah, I just think Dak comes up big in this game. I do. Like he might throw a pick or two, but I think he throws yeah. for a lot of yards as well. I, I have him over two forty six and a half. Ceedee Lamb over seventy five and a half. I, I just think it was a huge game for the passing game of the Dallas Cowboys. I I, I just like him. I I, just, I I think Dak having to hear all week about how terrible he is. I think he's, he comes out, has a good showing against the defense that I don't have a ton of respect for. Yeah. I, I think I'm on the same. Page Haven't been a lot here. of Cowboy playoff wins over the last 10, 15 no. years. Not, not that you, you, you think they got that draw 30. play. You think they got that draw play <laughs> oh, in their back God, pocket for this yeah, one? Don't, don't run that Mike. Keep that one. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause they have so many plays that we can't forget. We, we can't unsee, right? We can't unsee the Tony Romo play. We can't unsee the dead. Des oh, Bryant yeah. catch non catch. 
stuff yeah. like that. Not that they're destined, not that this team is, you know, they have no personnel similar to anybody who was on the team 10 years ago. It's not the way the NFL works. And again, Tampa Bay's eight and nine, who are the Buccaneers? But Dallas has scar tissue too. And Mike McCarthy in a big game. I, the, the problem, this is one of these things, right? If you want to fade Mike McCarthy, I get it. But if you want to fade Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich, I get that too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mike McCarthy's definitely got the Sean Payton thing looming over him, too. Uh, if he loses this game, is that not yep. the first call that, that Jerry's uh-huh. going to make? Uh, but still, I, I do have faith in Dallas. Um, I changed my pick. I'll, we'll go right to picks here. In the middle of the show, I, or in the middle of us talking about this game, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'll take Dallas. I'll take Dallas minus two and a half. I'm with you, Frank, that I think they're just a better football team, period, uh, than Tampa Bay. I know there's obviously... The specter of Brady, uh, his history against Dallas. He was even talking about that on the sideline with Mike with Mike Evans. Uh, and and I do think that at their best, Tampa can be can be pretty good. But I'm not sure we consistently see their best here. So no, I'll they go can't. With no, no, they can't stop Tampa Bay. We have a 17 game. I sample said. Size I said pretty. Garbage. I said at. I said at their best, <laughs> they can be pretty good. That's uh, at their best. At their best, they should not be pretty good, Frank. That's still. I'm saying they're it. they are underperforming hard. Yeah, here. this is a, this is an eight nine team that honestly should have been five and eleven, four and thirteen. Think about how many games they pulled out of the fire. Yeah. where Brady just puts they get outplayed for. 58 minutes and Brady puts together one drive to beat them because because the other team couldn't put it away. This is a team that I don't I don't think was anywhere near eight wins. Uh, and I, I think Carolina Panthers are the best team in that division. I'll die on that <laughs> hill. That's fine. It, it, this Buccaneers team does nothing to inspire me whatsoever. And, you know, I mean, Minty Betts and I talked about playoff values. The value I gave out for the NFC is the Cowboys win Super Bowl. I still think they have that upside. Mm, I really, I agree. truly do. Because I think I they roll in this game. And I think they can get going. I think if Dak just stops throwing interceptions, I know that that's not easier. It's a lot easier said than done. But this team has the talent uh, on both sides of the ball to really get going in a in a flawed NFC, and the odds are pretty good for them. So I, I think they absolutely roll in this game. I have not jumped off this Dallas bandwagon just because they lost to the Commanders. Like that. That look, they look terrible. I get it. Yeah, nothing to play for though. Doesn't really. I, I get they haven't played gangbusters over the last few weeks, but. It's still a team that in the middle of the season, I thought this team is one of the five, six teams in the circle of trust for Super Bowl contenders. I'm not willing to jump off that ship yet. I think they absolutely rolled the Buccaneers in this game. And like you said, if they lose, Mike McCarthy needs to get fired on Monday or I guess Tuesday. They won't be afraid of it. They won't be afraid of Philly if they get Philly next week. They will go and think we can win this game. And I feel like one of the best games of the year was that. Philly Dallas game a little bit sullied because Hertz didn't play, um, but that was one of the best games of the year, a back and forth game. Let's also remember this is so f- long ago that probably doesn't mean anything. But Tampa Bay did beat Dallas in Week One. They did. I, that's that. It is a stumbling block for me because it's almost like that Jacksonville Chargers game where it's like it happened a long time ago and they did win. But it wasn't just they beat them; they beat the heck out of them in that game. Like after that game, Dak breaks his thumb, and we're all talking about Cowboys are going to go three wins or whatever. Yeah, I mean everybody was, including me, was out on the Cowboys at that point. They beat the heck out of that team. So that it, look, I, I can't deny that, that that there's some part of me that's like maybe it's just a bad matchup for Dallas. But I just look at these two teams being on absolute opposite ends of the spectrum. It's one of the rare games. It's one of my favorite games of the year, the entire season, to bet on Dallas here because it's. It's two prongs to me. It's a bet on Dallas fading kind of the overreaction to the last week. And it's also a fade of the Buccaneers because I just think they're a bad football team. So, but with both of those things are working for me, when I can make a case for the Cowboys and against the Buccaneers, hey, if, if the Cowboys, let's put it this way, uh, if the Cowboys lose on Monday night, send help, send PayPal or something because, yeah, it, it might be a rough week for me. Scott, you're on the other side here. 
I am. I actually think the points might come into play. Two and a half isn't a lot, but I just don't trust Dallas to win on the road. The odd thing is that if Dallas wins this game, I'm, I know I'm going to be on them against Philadelphia, assuming that's the way yeah. it plays out and we get that game. And I'd be very excited for that game. But it just seems like Dallas is the type of team. I don't trust them as a road favorite. They were a road favorite at Jacksonville. I know the game went to overtime. At the end of the day, these are two teams. I, Dallas has much more upside. The Buccaneers can't win the Super Bowl or win the NFC. Dallas could, but I could see Dallas. They could also, I could see wide a, range outcomes here. I'll grant yeah. you that. Yeah, I could see Dallas could be... also doing a little charging, right? Where it's like they have a huge yardage edge. And then we're like in the third quarter, we're like, wow, the, the Cowboys have 200 yards of offense, you know, over the Buccaneers, and yet they're only ahead by six points. You know, why is and Brady has the ball game? with a minute 20 to go and pulls one? Uh, like, well, yeah, well, Brady's still got a chance here. It. They could still win this game. I, I could be ripping up a Dallas ticket. I think a lot of people would be saying that on Monday night. And I also wonder if the league gave um, this game to Monday night as kind of a, you know, just a, they felt bad for ESPN losing what they lost with the Buffalo Cincinnati game. Mm. Because obviously, like, Dallas is the most public team in the world. And, and, Brady. and Brady's most public player. Yeah, everybody's world, got yeah. an opinion on Brady. You know, a few people love him. Most people are kind of tired of him, but you, you're going to watch him. Yeah, 100% going to watch him. Uh, you mentioned that week one, last game here, and just why why I'm on Dallas. That week one game, there was so much like CeeDee Lamb discourse after that game. Okay. CeeDee Lamb's the type of, play, type of player who can take over a game, who could take yep. over this game here. He's been that good this year. So I'm on Dallas here um, after switching my pick. But that is going to do it for us, boys. Jam-packed. Super wild card round preview. Uh, Frank, Scott, shout out. Thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate it. Love it. Go Cowboys. How about the Cowboys? (laughs) All right. Make sure you're following. Should have played those Cowboys. Should have played those Cowboys, Frank. (laughs) Love it. We get one rounders reference. (laughs) Got to do it. There we go. My God. I'm going to have to watch this movie eventually uh, just so I can continue to podcast you. But, but Frank, honestly, I'm not as much of a brat as I was in my, you know, early 20s, mid 20s. Maybe even some late twenties. Not as much of a brat as I was then, but it does still kind of bring me a little bit of pre- pleasure hey, to hey, not. Hey, have why seen all why is things. Patrick Mahomes in the final four of the NFL playoffs every <laughs> single year? He's the luckiest guy in the NFL. It's a skill game, Frank. Oh, love all it. right, all right, all right. That is going to do it for us. Make sure you're following this entire crew on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> don't mute, don't mute Scott. Follow. <laughs> should. Scott I should have been on... muted 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Scott, you're my fellow underscore bro. You're at Scott underscore Pianowski. Make sure you're following him. Make sure you're following the Peak Company Man uh, at Yahoo Schwab. And of course, I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And uh, speaking of company men, give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy too, for God's sakes. All right, I'll be back on Tuesday with the great Andy Barris to recap all these games and break down the offseason plans for these losing teams. Until then, we're out. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.